Coney Barrett. It's a big win for pro-life. It's a big win for America, a big win for conservatives. And here to talk about that today and the future of pro-life, I have Jason Jones, the Jason Jones Show, also from Movie to Movement. We're going to be talking about this big win and how it's not the ultimate win. we got to be in perspective. And um, what the future may hold, depending on what goes down in the next week. Jason Jones, how are you, my friend? Aloha, Dr. Taylor Marshall. I'm doing great. Good. Doing great. Good. Well, we've got a, both of us are on the advisory board for Catholics for Trump. And we're in the thick. Are you getting heat for that? Strangely not, no. And, you know, I was almost a never-Trumper last time. Right. And uh, I think it shocked people to see me join the advisory board and to be out so aggressive in my support for President Trump. And uh, But I haven't gotten much heat. I, I should say I've, I expected a lot of heat, so it's not nearly what I expected. How about you? Yeah, I've gotten a lot of heat. I don't I don't know if it's um, – well, ever since I've joined Trump, I've been getting a lot of heat the last two months. It's not necessarily directed at Marshall is on Catholic for Trump, but I just feel like on Twitter I'm getting the daily hits. You know, Marshall's a nerd, Marshall's a bad person, Marshall's extremist, whatever. So I don't – who cares? Have I cared? I've, I've been doing this for 10 years. I never care. So if you care and if you actually care what people say about you, you're not going to make online content. No, no, you're not. And you're not going to stand with the vulnerable. You're not going to stand with the child in the womb. You're not going to stand with migrant children uh, being trafficked across the border. You're not going to stand with the Uyghur in East Turkestan. And uh, so, yeah, so you should just, you know, join Greenpeace or something. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. All right. Before we get into this, let's pray. Do the Our Father. You want you want to do the Latin, Jason? I, you know, yeah, I, I, you, you Latin shame me every time I come on your show. I don't know. Hey, there's Latin. no shame in the game. There's no shame, but I'll just, I'll just go through it. We'll do it. All right. Oremus. In nomine Patris et Firi et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Pater Noster, qui es in celis, sanctificator nomen tuum, adveniat regnum tuum, fiat voluntas tua, sicut in cello et in terra. Panem nostrum quotidiano da nobis odie, et emite nobis debita nostra, sicut et nos dimitimus debitoribus nostris. Nenos inducas in tentationem, se libera nos amalo. Amen. Nomini Patris et Fidei et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. You know what you should do, Jason? Next time you're on, you should be like, no, I got this, Marshall, and then just, just do it in Armenian or Greek, you know? I should do that. That'd be awesome. That'd yeah, be- you you new Catholics with your, uh, your Latin. I do it in um, Aramaic. Yeah, Aramaic. Well, when I was with the Chaldean Catholics, shout out to all the Chaldean Catholics everywhere, especially those in Michigan who are big time pro-life and voting, voting Trump. Um, we were at dinner with the Chaldeans. You met with the Chaldeans, didn't you? I did. Yeah. Yeah. We were at dinner and we were about to pray. And I was like, hold up, hold up. I don't want to need this English. You are Chaldean Catholics. I want to hear Aramaic prayers and they did the aramaic dinner prayer and it was long and beautiful you know what they did they they called down blessings from god on all the people at the table one by one isn't that cool that's beautiful so beautiful i loved it the chaldean catholics are awesome loving it there it's uh it's it's been a privilege of mine over the past two decades of my work in iraq to really Mm -hmm. get to know and work with chaldean and assyrian christians yes and I actually even have a Chaldean grammar book here, but I haven't gotten very far with it. <laughs> it's pretty challenging. Yeah, it's 
it's because uh, apparently, you know, not, I, not all Iraqis, only the Christian Chaldeans speak it still. It's the old language. They were saying that when the people co- people come to their cities that are barricaded, they say something to them in Chaldean. I'm probably getting this wrong. Like, praise be Jesus Christ. And they don't respond properly with the right accents and all that. They know that they're not part of the community. I'd love to bring you with me to Iraq to go to churches that you can go to that have been there since the late first century. And there have been masses there every day, and they still pray in the language that Jesus prayed in. And that Thomas, who built those churches, founded those churches there. I was at St. Thomas in Erbil, and I asked him who founded this church. (laughs) They said, this is the new church. I'm like, this is the new church? Yeah. When was it built? 1100 AD, the first church. Built on. I said, what St. Thomas is this? They said, uh, St. Thomas, the one who built it. I'm like, which St. Thomas was that? They're like, uh, the doubting apostle. Yeah, on his one of the idea. 12 apostles. And uh, it's just unbelievable. And you can go to where the Jews were in their Babylonian exile and see the graves. You can see um, where they were hiding. Um, and near there, there's uh, St. Matthew's monastery that was built by a Christian missionary from Iran that came in in 304, I think, A.D., and they have the oldest extant New Testament that's been there since 307. And now what makes that amazing is, as you know, that's a lifetime before the Council of Rome. Yeah, And they have a New Testament there that has only had to be removed once, and that was when the Biden-Obama presidency allowed the JV team of ISIS to run amok and was at the base of the monastery. They had to, they had to get it away from there. It's back, but yeah. yeah. Obama. Dr. Marshall. Let's do it. I love Iraq and I, I pray for peace there. And I'd love to even do pilgrimages with your audience Let, and you to go Let's there do a documentary you. there. You know, I did a documentary, a private documentary in uh, 2015, late 2015, 2016 for very influential people. And it was a great privilege to document the foreign policy failures of the past administration for influencers in this administration. And that you're right, we should go back and do a documentary of how things have changed. Things have changed dramatically uh, because of who's president. Yeah. Yeah. Hang out the Chaldean Catholics. You know, they, they said, you know, we were founded by St. Thomas, the apostle, and they were very polite, but the, the, the subtext was, you know, you Irish, you Scandinavians, you Germans, you English, you French, y'all were still cannibals in and sacrificing animals on altars to idols when we were Catholic. They were Catholic, the Chaldeans, when we were when we Europeans, blonde people and blue eyed people were pagans. A lot of my ancestors, you know, I, I look at my family lineage. We've only been Christian for half of Christendom. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. We, we Johnny, uh, come lately. Scandinavians, yeah, came to church just a thousand years ago, right? Just a half, you know, just five hundred years before Mexico and the Philippines. Exactly, exactly. Johnny, so come lately. New, my people were new to the faith, so you have to forgive us. Yeah, Chaldeans already had, you know, nine hundred martyrs before we even heard of baptism. Amazing amazing okay so what do you think about amy coney barrett you know it's so exciting dr marshall i mean you know i don't know if your audience knows yesterday was the anniversary of bella coming out yep and bella was it it, for me at the time it'd been like the fruit of a lifetime of work in the pro-life movement i'd been working uh, when bella came out i think at that point for 18 years 
Uh, you know, I started as a 17 year old after my high school girlfriend's father, when I was a soldier in basic training, her father beat her up and took her to get a forced third trimester abortion and um, sort of going door to door. But one of my first memories, and I actually have a photograph of it, a friend of mine who's a big Biden supporter, but by the grace of God, he lives in St. Croix and can't vote. He's not a he can't vote for president, he told me, so I'm glad about that. But he's a big Biden supporter. But he took this picture of me because I would have them deliver the newspaper um, every morning to me when I was in the field and I was following the Clarence Thomas hearings no. as a young soldier. And now when we were following the Barrett hearings and that she was confirmed on the anniversary of Bella, uh, to me, it was just God winking. And there was also Hillary Clinton's birthday was also very special. Oh, man, it was it was bundled up nicely. Yeah. And Clarence Thomas swore in. Yeah, and Clarence Thomas to me is just one of those, one of the greatest Americans, one of the most beautiful mm -hmm. Americans. I, I wish everyone could see, and I have to find it. When I was an undergrad, he uh, gave a speech for the African American Bar Association. I believe it was in Memphis or Louisville. Okay, and he was booed as he walked in on stage. That's sad. And, they stood on the chairs and booed him, and he, and, he, and he gave this speech, and I'll never forget it. It changed my life. He said, as a young man, I did everything I could for my people, black people. And when I had to make my first decision, when I, was, uh, when I had a job with some influence, and I knew what would be best for my people, black people, but I knew what I would be expected to do by the establishment and that I would be destroyed if I went against them and called a sellout. He said, I did what was right for my people. Right. And I lost friends and I cried and I was lonely and I was hurt. And this happened to me time and time again in my career. Mm -hmm. He said, but now I do what's best for my people, the American people. And I'm a grown man, so you can boo me and you will never hurt me. And that just to me was and when he left that giving that speech, they were it was a standing ovation. They were actually standing on the chairs, crying, applauding. Wow. And it, to me, it was just an example of like Cyrano de Bergerac of just such heroic courage yeah. for life. Um, and I think it's sad that the neoliberal media doesn't let us really know more, or hear more about, there was a movie that came out about his life recently that no one heard about. Mm. And he's just, yeah, he, he's a, a national treasure. And I pray, you know, and I'm very excited about Amy Barrett. And I pray that, that um, she lives up to all of our hopes. Yeah, because, you know, Justice Roberts turned out to be a real Judas, didn't he? Sorrowful. You know, I'll never forget when I was in D.C., I was so excited for Judge Roberts. And mm. uh, I was told, you know, he goes to Opus Day for spiritual uh, retreats and he and and, 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 and all this. And so that gave me some real hope. And I thought that this, here was going to be this great man of courage. And I always quote Rene Girard, the spirit of the age is is the most powerful force in the universe with the exception of the Holy Spirit. Yep. And, and I'm always shocked at by who conforms. And it's often shocking by who doesn't conform as well. But he has definitely conformed to the spirit of the age. You know, to, to loop the Chaldeans back in, the Chaldeans said back in the homeland, you know, Muhammad's will come in. The one guy at the table said his cousin. ISIS comes in. They shot his cousin hung his wife from the rafters all in front of the kids and they, and they, they're martyrs. They're, they're dying for Jesus Christ. Do you renounce Jesus Christ? No, Christ, the King, they die. But one of the guys at the table who was a subdeacon, he said, you know, what we found 
is we've we've come to America. We're wealthy now. We're we're prosperous. We're doing well. We're fitting in here. But in a way, it was easier to be a Christian back home. You had this binary decision. Do you confess Jesus Christ and die in front of your children? Or do you renounce him? It's a binary decision. Yes or no for Jesus. In America, it's death by a thousand cuts. Like you said, the spirit of the age. And you make a little compromise here. And you make a little compromise there. And in business, you make this compromise. And you do that for 10 years. And then the next thing you know, you're not even going to mass anymore. Yeah. It's sorrowful. It's sorrowful. And then when you stop going to mass, the people who look up to you stop going to mass. Your children won't go to mass. It's just, and then next thing you know, your entire, the Chaldean culture is swept away. And um, yeah, it's, it's, it's very, it's sorrowful, but it's also the great challenge of our age. Yep. Um, and this is in a way, I believe truly an axial age. Uh, it's, it's one of those, it's one of the most important moments in human history and the small cohort of faithful Catholics are, are really, I think, the only thing that is stopping uh, the West from being swept away into chaos and violence. And that's the importance of our work. And again, I think it all does boil down to abortion, mm. because abortion is the brutal denial of the founding principle of this nation, but it is also a brutal denial of the founding idea of the West, which is the dignity of the human person, which was birthed um, try, when the gospel was introduced into the West and to Rome and to Greece. And they tried to understand what does it mean in the Jewish scriptures to say we're made in the image of God? Right. What does it mean that the second person of the Trinity became man, became a person in the womb, in the womb? Yeah. So abortion is a brutal denial of the incarnation. Yes. It's a brutal denial of the declaration principle. It's a brutal denial of everything that makes life makes our lives beautiful. And uh, it's we forget, you know, you hear the good news. Even when I was an atheist before I was a convert, when I'd hear the gospel, good news, it sounded so bizarre. It sounded kind of just weird to me, like the good news. What are you talking about? <laughs> and it's not until you really understand history and the world and uh, you really begin to understand at every level um, the good news that is the gospel. And uh, the the battle over the intentional direct killing of the most vulnerable members of our family uh, in a real way is, is a battle over the gospel. Is it true? Do we believe that God became man in the womb of a woman on the margins of society? And once you believe that, what a beautiful grace to believe that. And uh, and that's our job is to, as St. Escriva says, that you would want people to look at you and know that you read the life of Christ. I want someone to look at me and know that I see them for who they really are. I want people just to know by looking at me that I'm in awe of them, of their beauty, of their dignity and their worth. And I think that's the challenge for all of us. In this age, you know, and I'm somebody with a heated temper and uh, you cut me off in traffic and you're like, isn't that guy I just heard on Taylor Marshall talking about my incomparable <laughs> dignity and beauty. Um, so it's, it's a challenge for all of us. But we're blessed. Like, look, if you're watching Dr. Taylor Marshall, um, 
it's it's because you're you've been blessed with formation or a curiosity or an interest or a passion for truth and um so that's grace and uh with that comes responsibility it's you said it's a challenge you know for people to to look at you and to see that you're a person of the gospel a person of jesus christ and i think one of the things that that rattled catholics in america was when Amy Coney Barrett's going through and, you know, we hear the famous statement now it's on T-shirts, the dogma lives loudly yeah. within you. And I, I challenged people several weeks ago. I said, what if you were called in to review at your job or God forbid you're in a nation where Catholicism is illegal and you're you're tried and without even saying much, people say of you, the dogma lives loudly in you. That really is the greatest compliment in a in an unbelieving, secular, God-hating world that our enemies would look at us and say, the dogma lives loudly in you. The gospel lives loudly in you. I, I hope that it, I, by God's grace, if that ever came to me, my enemies or my persecutors or the people who wanted to kill me, that they would also reach that conclusion. Yeah, and then they'll hate you because they hate yeah. God for Jesus yeah. first, right? Yeah. <laughs> and that's just the striking thing, you know. And when I was an atheist and I was really anti-Catholic, um, and, you know, I read Windswept House, which I think I have right here in my, my reading list to read yep. again. This I read this before I was Catholic. Oh, my goodness. And, yeah. This and, is then, my and then many years later, you found out it was true. Dr. Taylor Marshall. Good ones. Um, but, I, you know, I read this as an atheist because I heard – um, Malachi Martin on the Art Bell show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I ended dog eared in notes and I went to above Chaminade university in Hawaii. I went to university of Hawaii at Manoa, about a mile away is Chaminade, uh, a Catholic university. And behind it is where retired brothers live. But I didn't know the difference between a brother and a priest. So I thought I was talking to a priest. Okay. And I took my book on a Saturday morning and I banged on a door and this guy, about four foot 11, 95 years old, opens the door. And I asked him if he heard of Malachi Martin, and he had not. And I said, well, he's a priest, and he says, he's a Jesuit, and he says that there are Satanists in the Vatican. And, I, and, I, and he says, of course there are. <laughs> this little brother. And, and I said, That guy was based, man. The guy was red-pilled. I said, of course there are. What do you mean? Why are you Catholic? And this is what he said to me. He said, imagine you're ambushed. You're, you know, you're 95 years old. This guy was born like, this was 19, he was born like in 1902. Here I am banging on his door. Who knows what he's doing, you know, watching Lone Ranger or something. I don't know what he was doing. <laughs> so I bang on his door and I, I said, you know, do you believe there's Satanists in the Vatican? And look where it says this. And he said, of course there are. I said, well, why, why are you in the church? He said, um, he said, was Lucifer in the Garden of Eden before the fall? I said, yeah. Would you have left the garden? He said, I guess not. He said, was Judas with Jesus everywhere he went? Yeah, I guess. Would you have left the side because Judas was there? Then why do you want me to leave my church? Get out of here. And he slammed the door in my face. That was it. That guy was based. Huh? That guy was based. That guy knew what was up. Could you imagine? And three, four years later, I was on Bill Maher's Politically Incorrect, now a Catholic. (laughs) And Bill Maher was listing a litany of scandal in the hierarchy. Mm -hmm. And he asked me why I would be Catholic. And I gave that brother's line right. and then i got emails from all over the world of how brilliant i was <laughs> but i was just plagiarizing uh an elderly brother who had probably been deceased by that time yep 
Yeah, I mean, I, I people tell me stuff all the time, and I'm like, you don't even know the half of it. You don't yeah. even know the half of it. Or they tell us a scandal that's five years old, and like, we got 50 new ones, 50 new ones. And we're not proud of it. We got to fight it. We have to expose the Judas. We have to expose the serpent in our midst. And if we that's don't do anything, we're complicit. So close to the, the, the sacraments, and, and yet really they're animated by the spirit of antichrist it's strange to me it's i don't it's a mystery that i do not understand yeah i do understand you, do you buy into the the vegano idea that there's the church and the anti-church coexisting right now kind of you can't even you can't even really say here's where it stops and here's where it begins it's just this you know weeds and wheat and all mixed together yeah i mean it seems like it it makes perfect sense right i mean um yeah there's pride and there's people who lose their faith and um, things that seem to be even more nefarious and diabolical. And uh, the saints you've talked about before from the third century that talked about that there's the city of God, the city of man, and then there's the anti-church. Um, yeah, so uh, that seems, that seems, I guess, when you when you listen to Vigano, self-evident. Yep. Um, and I think of, uh, again, what Gerard talks about at the end times, where it'll be a war of all against all. Yeah. And so for me, my prayer is always for the grace to cling to the most vulnerable, never to be vicious or cruel to the vulnerable or the weak and to stand with them, because that's what I see happening right now. Uh, there is a, just this demonic force to abandon the vulnerable. And that's just mysterious to me. Um, you know, most recently, Bishop Barron came out and said that you can vote for a pro-choice. I mean, this is legit. You, you, I know you know this, but for people who are hearing this for the first time, Bishop Barron said, "You um, you can vote for a pro. Uh, you can. I'm just going to word it accurately because I don't like the word abortion." Right. Bishop Barron said that you can vote for a candidate that supports the intentional direct killing of a child, the most vulnerable member of the human family, in the womb of their own mother, that's funded by your taxpayer dollars. You can vote for them so long as it's, it's in, in spite of their support for the intentional direct killing with your taxpayer dollars for the most vulnerable member of the human family, the child in the womb, in the womb of their own mother. That is this toward me, the spirit of Antichrist, right? It is. That's the spirit of abandoning the most vulnerable people in our community. And, and, and it's the same way we don't hear anyone in the hierarchy, really. Um, I've never heard Bishop Aaron talk about the Uyghur, three million Turkic ethnic minorities, Muslims, uh, they were Nestorian Christians up until the 14th century. There are three million of them in concentration camps, being having forced abortions, their organs harvested. It is very similar to the Holocaust before the concentration camps turned to death camps. Yeah. And it wouldn't, I mean, these concentration camps in Chinese-occupied East Turkestan are already death camps. They're already organ harvesting camps. And uh, it won't take much for them to turn into things exactly the same as Auschwitz. Yeah. Um, and I, when I don't hear Pope Francis talk about this yet, we're going to renew this secret deal with China where we don't hear prominent celebrity bishops like Bishop Barron not leverage their celebrity for the vulnerable. I don't know you about you, Taylor, but you know, I, I work, you are a celebrity now, whether you want to admit it or not, you become, people know who you are and I'm not a celebrity, but I work around them. And it's always my goal to try to leverage their celebrity for the vulnerable to get them to be daring or risky. Uh, and even for me, with my little podcast and my little movies, is to 
amplify my influence to leverage it for the vulnerable. I know you think the same way. I can't imagine that if in 1940 there's a celebrity bishop that wasn't leveraging, that would not have been leveraging his life for the vulnerable. I look at someone like Fulton Sheen, Mm. um, who they make a caricature out of, was such a beautiful, complex man. Like If you read his books from the 20s, it was very technical philosophy written for experts. He had to learn the art of communicating to people like me, right? And all of us, just sort of the way he became a great communicator. But he was bold. He condemned Truman uh, at Catholic University in a major speech a month after the atomic bombs were dropped in Nagasaki and Hiroshima. Bishop Fulton Sheen did this. Amazing. It's amazing. That's that's what I'm talking about. That's and and that's that takes courage and fortitude to step out like that. In September of 1945, when everyone's loved ones were in a war and they were getting to come home, they were told sooner than later because these bombs fell. Yeah, that took a lot of courage. Uh, Bishop Rummel, we're coming up on the anniversary of his death uh, here in the next two weeks. Bishop Rummel, his courage led to the desegregation of the South, was not popular, was an irritant to other bishops and was the people in his diocese were not happy with him for excommunicating those who advocated segregation. Um, and so w- when I see people abandoning the vulnerable, that, that to me can't be anything but the spirit of Antichrist, because um, if we can't stand with the child in the womb, we can't stand with three million people in concentration camps. When am I going to open my mouth? Where am I going to draw the line? When am I going to show courage? Never. Never would be the answer. And I think one of the things that surprises a lot of people, there's been a shift in American politics and American thinking where people assume, and if you read Bishop Barron's voting guide, I was offended by this. It assumes that the Democratic Party is the merciful party for those who are outcast, that they're better on racism, etc. But when you look at what's been happening in the past 10 years, you realize that the Democratic Party has distanced itself from the lepers of society and equips and helps those who are engaged in, let's talk about the most vulnerable, the babies, obviously Planned Parenthood and all that. But you know, another thing that people don't talk about as much is how much Planned Parenthood uh, assists and promotes the sex traffic trade in the United States of America. Yeah, no, that's been documented by Project Veritas and other groups. And then when you pause and think about it, it makes sense. In the late 19th century, it was good mainline Protestant uh, doctors that were coming from New England across the United States to the West, the wild, wild West. And the brothels were the abortion clinics. A lot of Americans don't know this. They founded the American Medical Association to shut down brothels and abortion clinics, which, which were exactly the same establishment. The wives would go there during the day for abortions and the men would go there to the brothels at night. So it it makes the the abortionists were the ones that were the experts. I'm sorry. The owners of the brothels were the ones that were the experts in performing abortions because they had to perform them on the women that were there. So it's nothing new. They go hand in hand. Um, You know, abortion has been with us. It's in the Didache. Right. How is that that the, mo- the oldest extant Christian document condemns birth control and abortion? Yeah. Really, really just mysterious there, isn't it? Um, but we've never had, a, you know, we've had murder. We've had gangs of violent thugs. But the 20th century is we had mechanized genocide. Yeah. We had 
the, you know, the um, industrial revolution and violence come together, uh, weaponized by ideology. And so when we had abortion in the past, it wasn't weaponized the way it is now, especially with telemedicine. So a lot of folks, we like to say that abortions, you'll, you'll hear Democrats play with the abortion numbers to try to show that when there are Democrats in office, abortions go down, da, da, da. It's nonsense. The reality is um, abortions are going up regardless of Republican or Democrat. And we as, as Catholics and those of us in the pro-life movement really have to address telemedicine and the idea that you can get the morning after pill right. without a prescription over the counter. Right. So uh, this, these are, there are always going to be new challenges. But, um, but to me, the heart of it is if today in our society you can't stand with the child in the womb, you can't stand with the migrant at the border, you're going to be wrong on everything. Yep. You know, what, what frustrates me with the, the Chicago theology, what do you, what, what do you call it, uh, Dr. Marshall, the Chicago? Well, the Lavender Mafia, the Chicago the Ecclesiastical Complex. Yeah, the Chicago, Chicago Seamless Garment. Yeah, Garment. What they do is they take unlike incommensurate issues and they compare them to the intentional direct killing of the human person. Yeah, they just flatten so, it all out. Yeah, so as a man who lost a child to a forced abortion, I cannot tell you how angry it makes me. Like, imagine losing your kid to a drunk driver and then you're campaigning against drunk driving and someone says, well, you know, uh, but the other candidate's really good on minimum wage. You'd want to deck the guy that said that, right? <laughs> well, it's that's, just like it's just like uh, we were saying the other day. You're talking about well, because if you go back to Bishop Barron's voting guide, which is deceiving the American people, I want everyone to hear Taylor Marshall say Bishop Barron's voting guide is deceiving the American voter by design. He, by design, he, he just came out yesterday praising Archbishop Gregory, who is a BLM advocate. All kinds of just Google him, but. It's like saying, it's like living in, in emerging Nazi Germany. You're like, well, I mean, I don't really like Hitler's policy on, on putting Jews in camps, but I mean, I really like the plans for the Volkswagen. That's going to be really good for, for my trans, my commute to work. And do you know, he, he launched, Hitler launched the very first government funded anti-smoking campaign. Do you know how many people die of lung cancer, Dr. Marshall? That's a life issue. Yeah, that's a life issue. So, I mean, you, there's many you could say if you lived in Nazi Germany. Well, there are many life issues in Germany right now. And I'm just I'm really into how he's going to help the economy and his anti-smoking policy. And so I'm going to vote for him for those things. And I'm not voting for the concentration camp element. That's ridiculous because we as Catholics believe in a hierarchy of morality. There's a hierarchy. There's worse and worse and worse, right? We even have mortal sins and menial sins. We understand this as Catholic. We have theological and philosophical categories. So to come along with an iron and iron out all the life issues onto the same level and say, well, Biden's good on some of these and Trump's maybe some good on some of these, so follow your conscience is a lie. It's not Catholic. Yeah. And, and, and here, here I'll startle your audience, especially people who know me, someone who is for 31 years spent every single day of my life, pretty much from the moment I wake up till I go to sleep, thinking and working and fighting against abortion. There are issues like in commensurate to abortion, though. Right. So um, if, if, there, if, if Joe Biden, you know, if there were a candidate running for president that said, when elected, the first thing I'm going to do is drop 
strategic nuclear weapons on the capital cities of every European nation. Like that would be like commensurate, right? Yeah, that's pretty that bad. Like yeah, commensurate issue. Or maybe they said, hey, I'm going to shut down the economy for a year. Uh, leading to a famine to kill a quarter of a billion people. Right. That would be a like and commensurate issue. Tragically, Joe Biden has promised to do that. Yeah. He said we need another year lockdown. Do you know what? You probably don't even know, Dr. Taylor Marshall. You're an informed guy, and I know most of your audience doesn't even know this. We are a- approaching what could have been and still might be the worst year of famine since World War II yeah. because of the ham-fisted Democrat governors of the United States and the socialist governments of Europe slowing down food processing, production, and distribution. Well, uh, David Beasley at the the World Food Program, who's very close to the president, just won the Nobel Prize because of his work with USAID and the United States to to stem the, the tide, the horrible tide of this year of famine. But because he's a Trump guy, did you hear that he, the David Beasley won the Nobel Prize just two weeks ago? No. Was not reported in the press. They don't even report that there's a quarter of a billion people fighting starvation this year because of the COVID shutdowns. Uh, the When you see a story in the New York Times, which you, you might see on a Tuesday on P- page B23, they'll, they'll call it because of COVID. That's right. nothing to do with COVID. Right. So when Biden says he's going to shut the country down for a year, to use the language of the left that, that loves identity, uh, I want you to hear a quarter of a billion black and brown people are going to starve to death while we're doing Uber Eats yeah. and getting our next bailout. Yep. Uh, so those are, to me, like incommensurate issues. And so when people were shocked that I came out for Trump going, you know, I'm the guy that coined the term whole life. But I turned whole life to be counter to the seamless garment, which to me was just a tactic to abandon the child in the womb from violence. Right. right. If I were to compare the child in the womb to minimum wage and a one-payer healthcare system, what I have just done is an insult to the child in the womb. Absolutely. But when I talk about the child in the womb and the genocide of the Uyghurs and, and policy that starves a quarter of a billion people, what I have just done in the conscience of most, most people is I've elevated the child in the womb. Right. And it helps them understand that the child in the womb, just like the girl, the Yazidi girl on Mount Sinjar, or the elderly man in a a concentration camp in East Turkestan, they have unique, they have their, their dignity is equal. And so I created a whole life to knit together uh, people who are actually committed to protecting the most vulnerable people in the world. Cause it takes courage, takes courage to stand up to China as we're seeing, they will dox you, destroy you, honeypot you, do everything under the sun to, to compromise you. Um, NBA is not willing. I wonder why the NBA is not willing to stand up to China. After seeing the Hunter Biden videos, it might become clear. I wonder why we have a China deal with the Vatican. I wonder why we haven't. I mean, am I missing it? I mean, China has their finger in every single pie. Yeah. Have I missed it? Did Pope Francis ever once tweet out on behalf of three million people in concentration camps? I don't even remember him speaking out for the Chaldeans when they were whether genocide. And, and and this is I can't remember who said it. Maybe G.K. Chesterton, one of those you know those witty guys who creates a lot of great proverbs. That you know the 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 secularist says, "I love humanity. Let's help humanity. Let's help the capital P poor, the capital H humanity." But it's really the the person who loves Christ is really the person who goes down into the ditch and gets the Samaritan 
or reaches out and helps the leper, right? We can't just love the idea of humanity or the poor or the persecuted. It has to actually touch individual persons who are in trouble. Yeah, and you, you can tell by how people talk about, quote unquote, mm-hmm. the poor, the persecuted. Yep. And they talk about them like their children are a little cat, a kitten. You know, that they, when, when with my work, um, what I like to remind people is when you're standing in Saudi with the vulnerable, it doesn't mean they're weak. I find that they're often, most often, most of the time, more virtuous than me, more intelligent than me, harder working than me. They've just been placed in, in a very, impo- they've been in placed in an impossible situation. Right. Um, and so when we're standing in Saudi with the vulnerable, it's not we're standing inside with the weak. Um, or the dumb, we're 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 in a boat, and they're been cast into the ocean. Like if I'm in a bathtub, I'm not going to drown. You throw an Olympic swimmer in the in, in the middle of the ocean, he's going to drown, right? Right. And that's who the vulnerable are. But when you, you a lot of these folks, uh, the way they and Dorothy Day did this, by the way, she talked about the poor like they were like animals in the shelter, right? And that always just rubbed me the wrong way, and. I find a lot of people that are part of this like, sort of Chicago consistent ethic. And then what's really tragic is they're truly victimists. I was just talking to a, a, a leader in the pro-life movement who's on the left who said at the end of the day, she, you know, she was listing all these issues that she said she cared about. But at the end of the day, it was about her health care. She thought because she can't afford health care, even though her and her husband make more than my family. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't understand it, but she couldn't afford health care. So that's why she's voting for Joe Biden. So it's a pretense, right? Right. Victimism is feigning concern for the vulnerable, for power and wealth for yourself. Right. Can there be anything more disgusting than profiting off of the vulnerable? Again, this is the Biden family's whole M.O. I, I published an article last December in the stream. I'm sorry, not the stream. It's Steve Bannon's The War Room, where uh, thanks to my work in Iraq, I discovered that James Biden, Joe Biden's brother, got a one point three billion dollar contract. I'm sorry, one point five billion dollar contract to rebuild in Iraq, you know, after the JV team, ISIS, which they were the JV team. President Trump proved that when he mopped the floor with them very quickly. Uh, the Biden-Obama administration allowed this JV team to destroy Iraq, ISIS to take cities. Then they would burn and loot the cities, killing everyone. Then we would, with our planes, flatten what was left. Right. Joe Biden's brother got the contract to rebuild those cities, $1.5 billion didn't build anything, then gave a billion of it back, keeping five billion, uh, keeping half a billion for what, 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 what was that for? And, and he, you know, what's the interest on 1.5 billion for three years? Right. Then you keep five, uh, 500 billion. Um, but, yeah. I'm 500 million. Yeah. This is real. This has really happened. Then you look at what happened in Ukraine, their dealings with China, their dealings directly with companies that are exploiting the Uyghur in concentration camps. Right. That's victimism. So why would I be surprised that Catholics who claim to care about the vulnerable like Biden does um, are career victimists? They're petty victimists in a very small way. Biden is just the king of victimists, the king of profiting off of the exploitation of the vulnerable. For 47 years. Yeah. 47 Never years. Never pumping the brakes to look at what's happening to his children, by the way, which to me is, is oh. sorrowful. You know, you know, you know someone by their friends and by their family. 
and you look at a guy like Donald J. Trump, he's been married, he has three wives. I know, not Sacramento, people are going to start trying to correct me, I know. But his children at least seem, unless they're doing Academy Award winning job acting, they seem to really love him, admire him, and, and work with him and try to put America first is what I perceive, and I could be wrong. That's what I perceive. And then you, the, the, the Biden situation is just a dumpster fire, you know, crack rock and, and, and hookers and, 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 and probably worst of all for the American public, financial scandals in Eastern Europe and China. What and Iraq. And Iraq, yeah. It's interesting that they've really censored the Iraq story. And there's 1.5 billion is a lot of money. And the media mm-hmm. has completely censored that story. Um, no, yeah. you're right. It's sorrowful. And I don't think, even when I was almost a never Trumper last election cycle, I I was thought I might be wrong in, about the guy because I didn't trust all these conversions he had leading up to his running for office. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe we can talk about what I think really was going on there. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, but his relationship with his children, to me, that's always been a tell. Uh, the relationship with your adult children, you, you know, your, your, your children that live under your roof can put on a good act for your friends and your business partners when they're around. But your adult children are, who are out in the real world and can go their own way. They don't have to put on an act. Mm-hmm. And so I was it was a bit baffling to me, this guy who I had this impression of, but yet he seemed to be adored by his children. And when you're adored by your children, children are like bank accounts, they're like savings accounts, like bank accounts. You can only take out what you put in. Mm-hmm. You can take out with interest even. But um, if you haven't invested in your children, there'll be nothing to take out. Mm-hmm. And something you see with the Trump children is you can tell their father invested a lot in them and they love him and they repay him with interest. Mm-hmm. Joe Biden, on the other hand, you can see, uh, unfortunately, he's he's repaying debts <laughs> with interest. Yeah. Um and with the with the scandals that we see now. Yeah. Speaking of scandals, how do you think the election's going to go here? Well, if everyone listening brings five people to the polls, if everyone watching brings five people to the polls, we're going to win. Yep. If if of those of us who are the base, we're Catholics. If you're watching this and if you're a Catholic mom that lives in the suburbs, it's on you. <laughs> it's on you. You need to bring five of your friends. Yep. This is the, the Catholics and suburban women are going to determine this election. And is it, are we victimists who are influenced by virtue signaling or are we thoughtful people that want to really order our lives and serve the vulnerable? And if that's what we want to do, we're voting for Donald Trump. Mm -hmm. I can tell you the Chaldeans, the Armenians, by the way, president Trump just stopped the war in Armenia. We've got to talk about Armenia. The media is not talking about that. Let's talk about Armenia. Let's tell people about Armenia. Yeah, well, let's just look at the Armenians' history. I mean, we could go back until prehistory. Um, Armenians are the toughest people you're ever going to meet, you know. Yep. You're an MMA fan. Everyone tried to understand the mystery of Ronda Rousey. I knew. She trained in judo since she was a little girl around Armenians. Yes. So you saw this little blind girl. I saw a tough Armenian guy. Yeah. With, you know, that's who she was because that's who she trained with. Um, they, You know, they had a tough century. All of the horrors of the 20th century were birthed with the, the genocide against the Armenians, the yes. Greeks, the Chaldeans, the Syrians, uh, in, in the Levant, in, in 
at the hands of Turkey. Yeah. Well, now the Armenians were in Azerbaijan, in Armenia, in Turkey, were getting ready to go to war. And it looked bleak. But Pompeo and this president, you know, they did what they do and they brought them together. And there's now there's peace. Yeah. I tweeted so out. And I wonder why the neoliberal establishment, the neoconservative establishment despises Trump. How much money did we just lose? Because we, we, we could have had another war and made all this right. money. Yeah. Um, but no, we had peace. And most Americans will not even know that this happened. Yeah. Armenia Armenia is the oldest Christian nation on earth. There are other places that had Christians before Armenia, but I think, you know, Constantine made Christianity legal in 313, and I'm going off the top of my head here, so I might be wrong, but I think Armenia became a Christian nation, official Christian confessional state in 303 year of our Lord. I, I didn't I didn't know that date. Yeah, That's they are they were actually the first nation as a nation to say we are a christian nation so the oldest christian nation on earth they are tough people and they have been under the thumb of muslim persecution for centuries centuries and you know it's kind of politically incorrect to talk about the armenian holocaust because people worry it'll take away from the the nazi german uh german jewish holocaust but what happened in our, our to the armenians is horrific and you know god bless donald trump and pompeo and stepping in because we were about to have some serious serious problems and that's you want to talk about whole life things that are going on in the middle east i don't agree with everything but i mean look at the last four years and the progress that has been made politically and it is impressive you have to admit it it's impressive yeah no look um Hitler said, no one cared about the Armenians. They won't care about the Jews. This is what he said. The world shrugged and looked the other way at the Armenian genocide. When President Trump and Pompeo and their team brokered this peace agreement, they could have stopped countless genocides because they cared about the Armenians. Think what Hitler said. Think what Trump just did. Going back to Iraq. I was in an uh, an IDP camp, an internally displaced persons camp in Iraq, prior to President Trump's inauguration, but after he won. And I was still not, I had friends pouring into the administration. People had asked me if I was interested in joining, and I said no. But I was doing a documentary for folks in the administration in Iraq, trying to document the failures of the Obama administration. It was great. All these Obama State Department people were trying to find me in Iraq, asking me what I was doing. And my line was, I worked for Cheesecake Factory and we were looking for locations for a halal cheesecake. But um, the uh, I was in an IDP camp and these Muslim men were cheering. They saw me and I think word got out. People thought I was with Trump and they're like, this is Trump's. I don't know. But they were cheering for Trump. Then I expressed that, hey, I, why are you so excited about Trump? Then they were kind of confused. They said, he is going to destroy ISIS and we are going to get to go home. Mm. We are going to get to go home. And I remember thinking, you know, how many times do people's hopes get up? America, we, we, we promise the world and uh, we, don't often very, we don't often deliver on those promises. And I thought, I hope, you know, I hope that their hopes aren't dashed. Their hopes were not dashed. ISIS was destroyed. These people were able to leave those camps, these men, and go home. You know, the fact that the media has not covered 
they, they downplay. Well, Trump says he destroyed ISIS. So there's a cell of 14 people that were found here. The caliphate was gone. Like they, they had occupied large parts of the Levant and they were liquidating people. And Joe Biden was advocating doing to Syria what we did to Iraq, doing to Syria what we did to Libya. The patriarchs and the bishops in, in Syria were saying, if you do that, we're dead. Yeah. There's 800,000 dead Christians in Syria if you do that. President Trump resisted Mitt Romney. He resisted the neoliberal, neoconservative establishment, mm-hmm. did not topple Assad, and was called every name under the book. Um, but what, what's the result of that? There are 800,000 Christians in Syria in their homes. In Libya, the, the Biden-Obama administration destroyed, there are black slave markets. We're talking about Black Lives no, Matter, but why does the news media never cover that Obama's foreign policy has directly led? You don't believe it. There's somebody watching this going, don't believe it. No, I look it up, people. People in chains people. being sold right now. Yes. Why is this not in the media? Why isn't... Because uh, it gives points to Trump. That's why they don't cover it. It gives... Loveless. No love. When Bishop Barron makes that ridiculous video and voter guide, he's showing no love mm. for the slaves in, in, in Libya. Yeah. No love for the families from Pakistan to Yemen that lost children with Obama's reckless, aggressive drone war that killed over a thousand children. Many of your listeners are like, that never happened. Right. Google it. It happened. I actually got the names. I'm not going to say how I got the names in 2012. I published the names, ages and countries of all the children killed by Obama drone strikes and the Obama-Biden drone strikes. Loveless, if you loved human beings and knew that our taxpayer dollars, our representatives advocated policies that were using taxpayer money to kill a child in the womb down the street from your house, that's what Biden wants to do. They had a foreign policy that exposed ancient ethnic communities to genocide that supported policies that would starve the poorest people in the world from Bangladesh to South Africa. If you really loved people, you would go research this, be thoughtful, looking at border policy, the Trump's border policy, his immigration policy protects migrants from exploitation. There are millions of immigrants in the underground economy being exploited, also driving down the wages of the most vulnerable Americans. You have human traffickers going back and forth for the sex trade, guns going south, drugs coming north. Trump's policies protect the vulnerable. If you're thoughtful, if you're insecure, and you want to believe who the media credentials to propagandize you, then do that. It, okay, you don't care though. Don't think you really care. You care about your just insecurity. Or if you really are just a conformist that never wants to be out of step with the spirit of the age, well, you know, follow. Uh, the NBA, uh, you know, Twitter, follow, you know, whatever yeah. they tell you, then just yeah. pretend you believe it and don't really care about the truth. But you know what, Taylor, since the day I was helpless to protect my own child, when I was at Fort Benning, Georgia, spent my whole youth daydreaming about being a loving, protective father and failed to protect my own child. Since that day, I have been addled at the thought of children exposed to violence. Yeah. So I don't care. You know? I went from almost being a never Trumper to banging the drum for Trump. I don't care what anyone says. The reason I did it is because I authentically was concerned that Trump would not be good for the issues I was concerned with. Then I sat back and watched in amazement as he was better than I could have ever imagined on all of the issues I cared most about. Yeah. 
I think it's exciting. I mean, it's wonderful because we're not crossing our fingers behind our back. The, yeah. And, and we're not just, we don't get paid on advisory board for Trump. People need to know that. We're, no one's paying us to do this. We're saying this we from our pay. own heart. Like if we want to do something or go somewhere, we pay, right? Yeah. So what we're, it's, it's amazing to be part of this campaign. I am not embarrassed or ashamed at all when I say, well, who is the candidate for the outcasts, for the estranged, for the abandoned? And it's, it's Donald Trump, whether you're talking about immigration, borders, prisons, foreign aid, uh, foreign peace, yeah, abortion, uh, food, being brutalized. Yeah. Food, yeah, you're right. food uh, shoot, even cheap insulin. I mean, what do you want to talk about? And here we have not just slogans and not just cheap promises that, you know, like uh, Bernie Sanders, like you're going to get free college and you're going to get free. I mean, it's just like throwing candy out of Halloween, right? It's all focused on, I'm going to give you this free, 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 free. And it's free for you, right? It's what's free for them. I call it, the, there's only two things. There's only two Catholic, there's only two ways to live your life, serving the vulnerable or serving yourself. Yeah. And I call it the preferential option for myself. <laughs> Bishop Aaron's voter guide is, is a detailed voter guide for the preferential option for myself. Mm-hmm. Vote in my own interest, but it's going to vaguely allow me to imagine that I'm actually voting for the people of the world, but truly I'm just voting for my own interest. But if you're truly using your vote to serve your posterity, to serve the vulnerable today and the vulnerable around the world, you're voting for Donald Trump and you'll never have been more happy about who you're casting a vote for. And that, and that's how I feel. And that's how I feel. What do you think, you and I talk a lot about politics when you come on the show. What, let's talk about church. Let's talk about American church, USCCB. I talk about infiltration, right? But why do you think, let's just do just sort of an analysis. Why do you think these cardinals, these bishops, why are they serving the other side? What is, what's the incentive? What is the fear that they have? What is the the thing that they want, you know, why is it that someone, you know, we talked about Bishop Barron a lot today, you know, why is it someone like, you know, him or even, you know, Cardinal Supich or Gregory, why are, to use Michael Scott, why are they the way they are? Why are you the way you are? What, what, what do you think, what do you think goes on there? Because I'm imagining if you're a young man going to seminary, for the most part, at one point when you're an altar boy, you're like, I just want to be up there consecrating Jesus Christ on the altar. But how do we get to where we are in 2020 with the church landscape? Okay, so I'm going to be honest, and then it's going to kind of sound a little brutal. Okay. But I'm going to tell you what I think. You asked me, so I'm going to give you what I really think. First of all, I don't think a lot about the hierarchy. You know, with my apostolate, it started as an atheist, and it's more or less stayed the same. It's only been informed and enriched by my Catholic faith. It's always been to stand between the vulnerable and the violent. Uh, from the child in the womb to the child in Iraq. I remember as an atheist in 2000, I had to threaten the bishop of Honolulu that if he didn't testify against assisted suicide, I was going to call a press conference and nail my one thesis to his door that said coward. Yeah. And and he got angry at me and called me some names and went and testified against assisted suicide. So I've always sort of, I had this adversarial role with 
the church hierarchy long before I even thought about becoming Catholic. Um, but if I'm going to wonder why sort of people in positions of power and influence in the church are the way they are, I mean, I, then my most charitable thought is, and I'm going to take some just an imaginary person. I could see that in the 50s or 60s or 70s, a young man struggling with his identity and same-sex attraction, but loving his family and wanting to make his parents who are pious, proud, would enter a seminary uh, confused and scared and loving God and loving their community and loving their family and, and loving their culture, whether Irish, Italian, whatever. And um, But then you run into other young men that are escaping, trying to do the same thing. And it's hard. And, and I could see how one thing leads to another and then loneliness and sin and alcohol abuse and the cultural revolution and confusion. And then I think people lose their faith or they get angry or embittered or actually conform to the ideologies of the age. And that's how we get this muddled mess. Yeah. I really believe that's what we're suffering. I do believe that there is there are these people that are that consumed possessed, diabolical, but those are maybe the moves managers, but the pieces they're moving around for the most part are probably just lost, confused souls. Mm -hmm. And I, I, and my heart actually breaks for them. Mm -hmm. You know, my heart breaks for Bishop Barron because it's all unraveling right now. It's all unraveling. And he's worked so hard. I've never seen anyone that isn't a dictator of a third world country work harder at their personal branding and how people perceive them. And he's wanted, he wants to be seen as an intellectual, as an academic, as thoughtful as the new Fulton Sheen, which of course he's none of that. Right. Um, I, but I don't know. I, I wish that they could just be honest. You know, I'll, I'll start as I'll, I'll be honest as somebody who converted as an adult, as a 30 year old um, with all of my lifetime of habits and, um, growing up in our culture, you know, it's, it is a challenge to be holy is a challenge. Um, but if you listen to my podcast, I always, I speak on my podcast. Like I speak on the phone to my friends or and, and sitting in my garage. It's true. We talk on the I phone just, all the time. This is how we talk. This is how we, and the reason I do that is I don't want anyone out there to feel that they're, because when I was an atheist, I hated Christian. I would see these Christians that would make I was raised by con artists, you know, so I, I, I could smell a con a mile away and I would see that these people and, and I was very good at seeing other people's flaws and learning how to exploit them as a Christian. By God's grace. Now, I hope I can use those same skills to learn how to love and care for people and not take advantage of them. But but as a young atheist, I would see like on campus Christian missionaries or whatever kind of try to project holiness that I could see right through. Mm. I could see right through it, you know? And I, I would think you're making these insecure people feel bad about themselves to sell them your religion. Mm. Um, and me, someone who's prideful, I'm never going to listen to you because I'm looking down at you. So you get, right. people are going to look up at you and think God's too good or look down at you and think you're a fraud. So I don't want to ever that. I just want to be honest with people. We live in a confusing time. And I can see the weight and the demonic attacks, um, if you're a 50, 60-year-old priest or bishop, you, you've gone through the ringer spiritually, culturally, yep. and you just need to repent. You need to be honest. 
We need people to come forward and just say, this is what's been going on. Let's clean it up. Yeah. You know, what you struggled with, I've struggled with. People, we're, we're in the same culture. Right. We listened to that. We, we watched, I, we watched MTV growing up. We, we watched 16 Candles and we, we were told that to be a good man is to be this way and to be that way. Um, we've all struggled with all of this and this confused time. All of us are in the same boat. That goes with our priests and our bishops too. Yeah. Where people will say I'm a little aggressive or maybe with you too and they say, why are we throwing rocks? Listen, with me, when you get between me and my goal of protecting children from the violence of abortion, I'm yeah. running over you. I am running over you. If you get between me and my goal to leverage influence for the Yazidi or the Uyghur or the Chaldeans, I'm running over you. I'm sorry. I'll say I'm sorry as I'm running over you. But my apostle is to protect the vulnerable from violence. I am not going to tolerate victimism. I am not going to tolerate uh, what you think are clever arguments, which are not clever at all, right? The only thing that makes them clever is your fundraising abilities that you can pay for all those Google ads, okay? Um, they're not clever, but they're designed to abandon the vulnerable from violence. When you do that, this is my apostolate to protect the vulnerable. Now you're on my field of play. Mm. But, but broadly speaking, I actually, my heart breaks for all of us. Like this is a challenging time. Everyone watching you, Taylor, I'm sure you get these emails all the time. Divorces, pornography, yeah. children leaving the faith, Yes. Even me, Taylor, when the lockdowns and people weren't able to, um, I say even me, like I'm the worst. I mean, but me, I'm being honest, me. When uh, my friends, family members were dying in Hawaii and there was no COVID, <clears throat> but they couldn't get last rites. Mm. I, I remember saying to my wife, if we didn't have children, I would never darken the door of a Catholic church again. That's yeah. that's what scandal does to us. Yep. But if we're not honest about it, we can't clean the wound. We can't address it. Yep. Sorry for the long meandering answer, but. No, it's on point. It's on point. And the sad thing for me, this Joy and I talk about this all the time, is we have, we live in a time that feels apocalyptic. I'm sure previous ages felt the same, but mm. more than it did five years ago or 10 years ago. Right now, it feels really bad. And there's so much up for grabs. We have violence in our streets in America violence in Philly last night. I mean, what the heck is going on in America? And wouldn't it be wonderful if the church were strong right now? If we had a Pope who was speaking directly to these immoral situations and not about ecology. Yes, don't litter. We want clean rivers and clean forests. Yes. But we have such horrible, horrible acts of sin against humanity right now. And we have like the, we have the weakest church, the weakest bishops, the weakest Pope there. I said it right now. And if only, if only I, it's, it's a mystery of iniquity. I don't understand why God has allowed it to be so right now, but I do know no matter how small you think you are, if you're a, 98-year-old grandma with her beads and her arthritic hands praying the rosary, or you're a 19-year-old a young man who's, who's praying the rosary every day too and thinking about becoming a priest, we have to fight. It's Alamo. Doesn't matter how, how few there are of us, we must fight. And it's somehow God chooses ladies like Judith, who was a widow, to save Israel. Who knows who it's going to be? But 
we have to believe that the fight is worth it and we have to keep that fight going. Yeah, and it's those men you're talking about, those old guys with arthritis praying the rosary. Yeah. You know, when I travel and speak, I see those guys and I feel ashamed that I'm on stage talking. And I'm like, why isn't he on stage talking? Those are the deep roots in every parish and every diocese. And my diocese of Honolulu, uh, I think there's the one family, the Gokenauer family, Ron Gokenauer. He's this big, strong, quiet man who is behind like everything beautiful happening or Dallas Carter, our mutual friend. Mm-hmm. In every diocese, they're just these men and women who are the deep roots that are stopping that diocese from being swept away, their parish right. from being swept away. <clears throat> I'm just a zealous new convert, anti-abortion activist. It's those, and it's those families that have kept the faith for generations as well, to me, that are, that are so important. You know, I, I feel like even with God's grace, I am the soil in which I was planted. Right. And I'll never be who I wish I could be. Um, but I can plant my children in different soil. And I see these families for generations, they've been planting in good soil. Yeah. And and that's that's where we are. Yeah. <clears throat> yep. I don't have COVID, I promise you. I was about to go put on a mask. I have. I should have put my mask. I've put radio. My movie's out. I haven't even promoted my movie yet. I've been doing radio all day. Oh, you got your mask. Here's my mask. This is what I wear. I keep one of these in the truck. (laughs) Stick them up. This is the Texas mask right here. That's usually what I wear, to be honest. And then I wear the, I do, I I just, I get bare minimal. Oh, sir, you got to put your mask up higher, Mike. See, where I live in Hill Country, they never ask you to wear your mask. We, here, I went to lunch today with, a, with an old friend and walked into the restaurant. There was, it's a, it didn't have mask required on the restaurant. Walked in, ordered food, sat down, no mask. In fact, the owner came over and he was like, aren't these masks dumb? <clears throat> so that's Texas. Everybody, Jason's living in Texas. We congratulate him. Yeah, but maybe I came just like uh, Davy Crockett, just in time to die at the Alamo. <clears throat> but I'm going right. to fight at the Alamo. That's right. That's you know, right. When I, Taylor, I really believe this is the Catholic moment, though. Mm. I think the Catholic moment is, is, is the Pieta. The Catholic moment is, is at the cross with Christ when everyone else has fled. Yep. The Catholic moment is when the bishops are cowering to the yes. Nazis. Think of being in Weimar Republic. Why do we know the name Maximilian Kolbe? Mm. Because he did what he did if... Thousands of priests did we, he did. We wouldn't know his name. Why do we know Miguel Pro? Right. Why do we know these names? It, it's because exceptional courage is exceptional in every age. Mm. We look back to those ages at those great saints. Someone put on Twitter, we have ages, um, and I and I kind of plagiarized it on Twitter. I, I forget where I first heard it, but it's we have ages that produce great popes, and ages where we have bad popes that produce great saints. Mm. And true. It is what it is. I I just my prayer is that um, that I always I that I never abandon the vulnerable. That you never see me using sophistry to excuse abandoning that nameless child in the womb. That you never see me ignoring um, how our foreign policy is obliterating minorities on the other side of the world. Um, and I, I think that's what we need to be focusing. You know, when I was in Iraq. I think I told you the story before. I was in Iraq with Chaldean priest, a Chaldean priest 
who with tears in his eyes said, why is the priest beaming pictures of wild animals yes. onto the walls of St. Peter? Why isn't he beaming the pictures of our children, Chaldean children? And uh, the West doesn't care. Why does the West not care about us? My little apostolate movie to movement and our vulnerable. Let's talk about the movie. Let's talk about the movie. So, yeah, we have a new movie, Divided Hearts of America, starring uh, NFL tight end, Super Bowl champion Benjamin Watson. And he goes around the country uh, trying to discover the causes of division, what is dividing us. And what he discovers is at the heart of it, it's a denial of our founding principle that we're endowed by God with inalienable rights. There have been three great denials, slavery, segregation, and abortion. And they're really connected. Do you know the Supreme Court found the right to abortion in the 14th Amendment, the amendment that made slave citizens? Wow. It's really diabolical. That's thick. And if you know who was on that court and their connection to the Ku Klux Klan, it almost seems like a vendetta when you know Margaret Sanger's ideology. Mm. And so there have been these three brutal denials. You know, slavery was a weed growing before this republic was even birthed. Yep. So those weed, the weed of slavery grew along with the weed for almost a uh, hundred years after the founding of this Republic. And then we had a, a civil war then for 100 in one years from 1864 to 1965, it took the Republican party a hundred years to get the civil rights act passed a hundred years of relentless effort mm -hmm. before league, the Democrat party's legal segregation regime was dismantled. Finally, a Democrat governor signed a Republican bill and we got the civil rights act. And then we had Roe v. Wade. Right. So and, and, and really, I'm going to get mm. very political. People say I hate politics and I hate I love politics. Like there are two choices, politics in a constitutional republic or we burn down each other's villages. Like right. which would you prefer? What do you I want? say you can live in a country where people knock on your door at Saturday at two, interrupting the ball game, or they knock on your door at Thursday at two in the morning and rip you out of bed and send you somewhere. You don't want to go. Right. I love living in a constitutional republic. I love being the king of my castle, my home. I love yeah. um, being the sovereign and having elected representatives. I love having a, a, a republic, not a pure democracy. Um, th this is this is a privilege. And you know what else I love? Being a member. I love the Republican Party. I'm not a joiner. I'm in the Knights of Columbus, and I'm a member of the Republican Party. Okay. <laughs> And what I got level are you in the Knights? Nuts. Huh? What level are you in the Knights? I'm a third degree. The oh. fourth degree come along like uh, Haley's Comet, you know, in my in Hawaii. I'm I just gotta, a first degree. I just kind of joined to get insurance and then never did anything. Yeah. I love, <laughs> you know, let me tell you, can I tell you a real quick sidebar about the Knights where I think every man should do it? Okay. Uh, for me, it allowed me to be around men of every generation. And, you know, uh, in my one of my counsels, he has since passed away. He was a general who had retired in 1971, but he was the, the lieutenant at the Battle for Amagan Bridge. Oh, wow. And my council in Hawaii, I had these, these Filipino gentlemen who f would tell me stories about fighting the Japanese in World War II. Mm. And so for me, the Knights of Columbus is one of those few places where we can have the society of men. Right. And I can be around men of every generation. But the Republican Party was founded to end slavery by abolitionists that actually fought to end slavery, mm -hmm. got their hats handed to them, marched from Kansas, bloody and battered to Ripon, Wisconsin, founded a party. Nine years later, slavery was gone. For 100 years, they fought for civil rights. 
They, they gave women suffrage. It's the party that stood up to totalitarian socialism. Do you know it was the Republican Army Air Corps generals that resigned when we began targeting civilian targets in Europe wow. and Japan? That's resigned. awesome. That's awesome. Um, we're the party that stood up to totalitarianism, and we're the party that's been pro-life. It's a mystery. The Republican Party has been the party of the hard thing when it's the hard thing. The Democrat Party was the party of slavery, yeah. the party of Jim Crow and the party that was cozy with Uncle Joe Stalin and Mao and apologized for the Khmer Rouge. It was the party that um, and it's the party of abortion. Yeah. So I know this isn't a political show. I don't know if you wanted to hear this. I should be promoting my movie. But I, what I'm just saying is I, I am glad to live in a constitutional republic. There has never been a political party in any country's history. Parties are not promised anything by God and the Holy Spirit. There has never been a political party that has been more of a force for good in its own country in the world than the Republican Party of the, in the United States of America. And, and so I'm glad to vote for Trump. I'm glad to vote for uh, I'm glad to be a member of the Republican Party. But look, I don't look just to politics. That's why I make movies. Damon of Athens said, I'd rather choose the songs of a nation than write its laws. So mm -hmm. I don't care who wins. I mean, I do care, but it doesn't matter. Whatever happens in November I'm going to use my mind. I'm going to use my pen. I'm going to use movies. Um, I'm going to use my podcast. I'm going to do everything I can to advance the interest of the vulnerable. So how, do, I how do we see the movie? Time. I want to see the movie. How do I see the movie? Divided Hearts of America. You can go to SalemNow.com or because I want your traffic, you just go to Movie2Movement.com. Movie2Movement. That's Movie2Movement.com. Click through. And for your audience, if you guys use the code MTM, you get 20% off. MTM. I promise this, Taylor. It is the, I've been a part of over 50 films. Yesterday was the anniversary of my first feature film, Bella. This documentary is the most powerful and beautiful documentary on abortion ever made. Ben Carson's in it, Senator Scott, Elvita King. Awesome. But it really situates abortion and the problem that we're facing now with division. And uh, it's pretty persuasive. We even interviewed the senators in New York that authored the bill to allow abortion up until birth wow. in New York. Um, and it was their bill that inspired the movie. When I saw Governor Cuomo, you know, be, uh, six months, um, was it six months or a year? I'm sorry, a year before Governor Cuomo um, killed thousands of elderly people with his uh, stupid policy of sending young people with COVID into old folks' homes, uh, he lit Freedom Tower up pink to celebrate infanticide. The passage of this law Ridiculous. protecting abortion up until birth in New York, even if Roe v. Wade overturned. And it was that act of lighting Freedom Tower up pink, the place where we saw planes slam into our, 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 you know, into our two buildings there. Uh, that place above the earth that means so much to all Americans mm -hmm. to be lit up pink for infanticide to me was ominous and that's what inspired us to make this film good so it's make i've got it on the it's been on the screen the whole show the the, the website but it's movie to movie to movement.com yeah and the saving code is mtm mtm and how much yeah. off do they get for mtm 20 percent. 20 percent. there you go yeah so everybody really, go do it wait your audience I do a lot of shows, big networks, everything. Your audience is the most responsive and generous. 
My and my audience, I, I I don't know if I've ever actually said this. My audience is so generous. When people come on and I say, hey, support, you know, Newmeyer or the, the Latin Mass documentary or these kind of things, the, the guests always come back and they say, wow, your guests are so generous. I don't know if I've ever actually said thank you to the audience for being so kind to all the guests. Thank you so much. So I want... I want a few thousand of you. I want a good 10,000 people to go to movie to movement.com, save 20% and put an MTM. There's so much garbage. If you're still have Netflix, shame on you. If you even cancel Netflix, you just don't even watch my show again. I don't want to see you ever again. Cancel Netflix, cuties and all this baloney. Get rid of that. There's hardly anything worth watching. So watch something good with your family. And here's a good movie made by Jason Jones, starring Benjamin Watson. And uh, I've heard a lot of good things, and I haven't seen it yet, so maybe we'll watch it tonight. You know, I, I'm, I am. It's shame on me for not badgering you to watch my movie. Um, I know, but I watch my movie, Taylor Marshall. I'm gonna watch audience, it, guys. It will make a big impact. And this film, you know, look, Bella, my first film. Over seven thousand women wrote us letters mm. after they saw our movie. They chose life. They were scheduled to have an abortion. And chose life. You know, so many movies I've done. But the two that, I, that I'm most proud of are Bella and Divided Hearts of America. Cool. We sat down with Benjamin. He's risking his career. He's one of the most loved yep. athletes in the world. And he made this film, which is very courageous. And, and he doesn't even carry chuckles when I tell him he's courageous. But we said two years ago, our country is going to be ripping at the seams. Mm. But we didn't imagine this. Mm. This is beyond what we imagined. Right. I said, we want to unite America, not by doing what Bishop Barron did, to be honest, not by hiding what we really believe, mm. but by trying to elevate them to see the human person the way we do. In fact, if you go to movietomovement.com, we made shirts that say image of God, mirror imaged. So when you look in the mirror, it reads right. But we also made those shirts with Biden's image on it, Trump's image on it, Maisie Hirono's image on it, right. Amy Coney Barrett's. Why? We have billboards all over America in all the broken neighborhoods. Movie to Movement put up billboards that just say, you are made in the image of God. Yes. Because that's what you and I know. This is what the, this audience knows. Right. And what a grace is that, that when we look at our neighbor, we see something more beautiful than an angel, the most beautiful created thing in the cosmos. And how sorrowful that not only can they not see that in the other person, they can't see that in themselves. The real tragedy of Hunter Biden is Hunter Biden does not know who he is. Yeah. How sorrowful is that? I mean, this is very sad. Yeah. But, but that's what we need to do is that's our mission is to let the world know who they are, how beautiful they are and the source of their dignity. Yeah. You know, when I was an atheist, it was the Imago Dei that captured my imagination because I could not find the source as an atheist. I read Sartre and Nietzsche and Camus and Freud. I read everything I could trying to find something that would support this dignity of the human person that didn't come with these pesky sexual ethics and other things that were annoying to me. Basically, that was just it, right? It was the right. sexualism. It was that. And uh, But then I read Love and Responsibility as an atheist and by Carol Wotiwa, St. John Paul the Great. Mm -hmm. Something he communicates with that book, which is so beautiful, is if the human person has this special dignity, the act of creating the human person must have a special dignity. Mm -hmm. And I could not shake that. I'm mm -hmm. like, oh, man. Ah, but but that's what we know. And what a grace to know that. If only everyone could know that. And that's 
what God has tasked us with. Yep. Awesome. Well, great show, Jason Jones. Also, Jason Jones has a very successful podcast. If you're into podcasts, you listen to my podcast, you got to be listening to Jason Jones. It's called The Jason Jones Show. And I, I see it on all my podcast apps. It's on iTunes. It's on everywhere, right, Jason? Yeah, you know, it's something I started doing for fun. And then during the COVID shutdown, I couldn't do much. I started doing it more regularly. Mm-hmm. And next thing you know, I'm getting these notices that were climbing the charts in this country, that country, all around the world. And it's just something I do in my garage. But what I joke is I'm trying to be winsome and funny. And I talk about everything from fishing to martial arts. And we slip in, you know, this is what's happening with the Uyghur. We, 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 we are always sharing about the most vulnerable communities in the world. And a regular guest is actually the prime minister of Chinese-occupied East Turkestan, mm. Salih Hedaya. We have a great guest. Son. I, have to, I want to have you come on. Uh, in the next week or two, really to talk about this infiltration in the church, because it is something that's become inescapable at this point. And I don't know how, like I told you, you asked me, what do I think about the bishops? And I've been honest, I don't. I've never thought they were of any use for my apostolate. Um, And I hate to say it, I'm focused on how do I, you know, my apostle to protect the vulnerable. Um, But now when you have someone using their celebrity, like Bishop Barron, to really hinder lay Catholics' decades-long efforts to protect the vulnerable from violence, I'm beginning to understand you just can't say, I'm going to leave that problem to other people. It's now they've gotten in between me and, and the, the goals of my apostolate, and, I ha- and I, I'd love to talk to you about that. Let's do it. Let's do it. So everybody follow Jason Jones on Twitter at Jason Jones Show. It's on the screen. Uh, and go to movie2movement.com. Get this movie. Watch it with your friends, with your family. Uh, let's watch good material made by good people and stop watching all this sludge that's pouring through your TV into your living room. So, everybody, I want thousands of people to go watch this film. And, uh, Jason Jones, thanks for thanks for coming on. Thanks for sharing your heart. Uh, if you guys want to hear more of Jason's background, I've interviewed him before, and we've talked about you know, his his childhood and, and how he lost a child to abortion and how he got involved. It's great stories. So it, it's it's it it'll make you cry and it will bring joy to your heart. So go back and watch those old shows with Jason and myself. And I guess this is the time, Jason, when I say pray the rosary every single day. If you don't pray the rosary every day, you're not on the team. We gotta pray the rosary. We can't do all this by our own human nature. And by our own strength, it has to be divine. It has to come from heaven to earth, on earth as it is in heaven. That's how we pray it in the rosary. So pray the rosary every day, and you will have grace and strength to be more and more like Jesus Christ. And um, please like the video. You know, we talked about the A word, and every time, Jason was like, I was like, what do you want, what do you want the title to be today? And he was like, something abortion and this. And I was like, look. If I put the A word in a YouTube video title, we might as well just not even record the show. YouTube is going to crush that video so badly. That's why you hear me saying things like LMNOP instead of the LGBTQQQ because YouTube is on to us. So please like the video and then most importantly, please share this video on YouTube and Twitter and make sure you tag at Jason Jones Show and please subscribe here on YouTube. And if you want to get the live videos, hit the bell to be notified. And we'll close up there, Jason. Thanks for being on.
Thanks for having me on, brother. All right, everybody. Remember our Lord Jesus Christ said you're the light of the world and the salt of the earth. So go out there and be salty. God bless.